Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the press box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a port of party, right? True. That's not a great day for you. With Grainy and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks took a dump in the porta pipe. <laughs> like, they immediately blame the media. Like, we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for, like, if you want to think we're negative, but we got to draw the line that we're taking the dumps in the porta pipe. No. At that point, I draw the line. Dumps and porta potties. I love that opening. Ed, Tyler, Danny, how are you on a Thursday? Big show ahead. A lot of great guests. Sam Gordon, Millsy, uh, Jamal Mosley, the head coach of the Orlando Magic, will be here at 9. And then J.R. Starkus at 9.30. I'll be gone by then. Got the wedding. Got the wedding for the niece this week. <laughs> Where? What, you got a wedding this week? Yeah. Yeah, getting somebody's getting married on the Fourth of July weekend. I don't know if uh, that's a good idea or a bad idea. Wedding tomorrow night, though, so it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty. You know, it's pretty early. It's not exactly like a couple days before. Okay. Got the guess, frog I voice today. Acceptable. Yeah, sipping. Oh, water. I sound terrible. I have. I mean, I we sound just, absolutely it's terrible. Like, it's like <laughs> we both we both are are not good on the voices. Um, but we got the water going. It'll be good. It'll be a good show tomorrow. Uh, I'll be gone. Adam Hill will be in with Tyler which means the schmoosher will be uh, listening from uh, 7 o'clock on. I'm going to be very happy about that. Smoosher. <laughs> it's sploosh. Yeah, sploosh, smoosh. Like, I care about that. Uh, Adam Hill in tomorrow. Danny's with us today. The First Bite. Who will win a title first, the Golden Knights or the Raiders? Man, I saw this on the rundown, and immediately I thought there was no question. It was an easy answer. I'd love to hear what you have to say, but immediately I said, oh, the Golden Knights will. I think it's the Raiders. Oh, difference of opinion. Yeah, so (laughs) the Golden Knights are in a better spot to win the next championship in their sport, and the odds, um, Golf odds on Twitter put it up there. Tied for sixth, best odds to win the Stanley Cup with Minnesota and Edmonton. The goal or the Raiders are barely tied for sixth for the best odds in their own division, and there's not even six teams. But for this upcoming season, the Golden Knights have better odds than the Raiders. And if somebody's going to win it in their next season, I think it's more likely to be the Golden Knights. But what I'm intrigued by with the Raiders is sort of a if they have this this two sort of off-season plan to make this team really good and a title contender because this offseason they went and got Devontae Adams Derek Carr got his deal Hunter Renfro got his deal Max Crosby got his deal they basically took care of the guys on the roster added Devontae Adams and added Chandler Jones too but they they added a lot of significant pieces and at important positions or locked up guys, right? Quarterback, defensive end, wide receiver are three of the most important positions in football. But they did almost nothing on the offensive line. They did very little in the secondary or in the uh, linebacking group, right? There's still a lot of positions on this team that leave a lot to be desired. But my thought process is, well, they they took care of a lot of premium positions this offseason. 
next offseason, they might be able to figure out, okay, which offensive linemen do we need to replace and actually go replace them and figure out who in the secondary they need to replace and actually go replace them. I feel like the Raiders are in a position where if everything goes well next offseason, they'll be three or four moves away from being legitimate championship contenders. Legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Yeah, because, again, if everything goes well, obviously if Derek Carr has a down season, right, then the Raiders don't have any shot. But, like, if everything goes well, Raiders have a good passing attack this year, but, hey, the offensive line wasn't very good and the secondary wasn't very good, and that's why they didn't make it to the postseason or they only got to the first round or whatever. Those are things that you can then fix in the second offseason and potentially be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. It's a, the first title, which I guess means I think the Golden Knights have a good chance next year to win the title because here's the thing. Um, they kind of need to do it sooner than the Raiders just because of the age on their team. And we've talked about that, how their window... The windows, I'll say this, the windows for improvement and getting better, I think you're exactly right, of the Raiders because we've talked a lot about health and age with the Golden Knights. So I don't even know if the Golden Knights have a three-year window, but if everyone's healthy next year and they get good goaltending, I think they have a real shot to win it. They, they do. Um, I, I think the... I think the main issue for me is the lack of flexibility the Golden Knights have. And maybe that changes because maybe they trade away Max Pacioretty and William Carlson, and now they've got a bunch of cap space. But they don't have a ton of flexibility. They're not in a terrible spot. They're still going to have a good team this year and next year. But whatever happens this season, whatever problems they have, it's harder for this organization to fix it because they don't have that flexibility. The Raiders are in a better spot, uh, flexibility-wise, salary cap-wise, going into the future because they're, well, they're not, you know, doing what the Golden Knights are doing and trying to use long-term IR for $25 million or something like that. But the Raiders, I just think, are in a more flexible spot. And if if the Golden Knights don't win it this next season, then I think it's going to flip to where the Raiders are more likely to do so if McDaniels and Ziggler and everything goes well, right? Obviously, yeah. things could go very, very poorly for the Raiders. Could go and, very, very poorly this year. Right, and we're looking at it saying, oh, they're still four years away from even being close. But if things go well, I think they're an offseason away from being legitimate contenders, whereas the Golden Knights are contenders now. I just don't think they have the flexibility to change much. I'm a little surprised the Golden Knights have the six best odds to win the Cup, which is... Uh... Vegas tied for second best team in the West with Edmonton and Minnesota. I think sixth, or I think six is a little, uh, little too low. I, I, and again, I know it's because of what happened last year. They don't know how Stone's going to be. They're older. They don't know what the goal situation is going to be. So I understand the odds. I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just being positive uh, in terms of how healthy I think they're going to be, and I think they'll get good goaltending probably out of Logan Thompson because I'm not I'm not for sure certain that Leonard's going to be ready for the season. They said it'll be okay. I thought it was more six months, no matter what they said. So I think um, Logan Thompson is going to be the goalie uh, ahead of Vegas, Colorado, Toronto, Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina. I'm not so sure about that list in terms of the Golden Knights if they're really healthy. I think they could uh, sixteen to one tied with Minnesota and Edmonton, uh, the odds to win the Stanley Cup. I am a little surprised they're tied with Minnesota to win the Stanley Cup. I don't what what did Minnesota do? Why why is Minnesota tied with the Golden Knights for the same odds to win the Stanley Cup? I can understand Edmonton because 
they at least made it to the Western Conference Finals, even though they didn't do anything once they got there. But I, I kind of agree with you in terms of they should be better than Minnesota this year. And then, like, Colorado should be higher than them. Toronto should probably be higher than them. Tampa, sure, whatever. But, like, are they worse than Florida and Carolina? I, I don't know that they are. And maybe there's a level of, hey, the Golden Knights are going to have to prove it this time around. I also think what's interesting is have we finally hit a point where the Golden Knights aren't boosted at the sports book simply for being a local team that everybody bets on? Yeah, that's a great point. I totally like, agree with that. Like since year one, yeah. the Golden Knights have been every game they've played or every time odds are out to win the cup, they're always like higher than expected. Like because, first or second. Yeah, because it's a local team and everybody in Vegas apparently was betting on the Golden Knights since year one. But we might finally be at a point where sports books can put out sports books in Vegas can put out real odds on the Golden Knights because they're not going to get overwhelmed right. with Golden Knights bets. And hell, maybe they will get overwhelmed at 16 to one and the Golden Knights are playing for the Stanley cup and they're worried about it. But uh, yeah, I think 16 to one, it doesn't feel terribly wrong, but does feel a little low. You've got, you've got here. This is a good one. Are the aces the right answer? Probably right. <laughs> uh, over the other two, I think, there's no question the Aces are the right answer over the other two in terms of you're asking who's going to win a title first. Yeah. I mean, that obviously, they've, they're, they're the best team in the WNBA, even though they lost last night. They're the best team in the WNBA. I've got some reservations about, you know, depth on that team. Are they good enough defensively? But they're in a better spot to win their league's title than the Golden Knights or the Raiders are right now. So the Aces might be the real answer to which Las Vegas team wins a title. I'm curious if we took away like national championship and just did conference championship. Is there any way UNLV basketball or football does it first before any of the Raiders or the golden Knights? Yeah. Oh, it's a great question because I'm trying to think how many years they might be away from winning the conference. I guess I'd say, well, I'd say basketball over football for sure. Football. I don't think is close um, to winning a conference title. I guess I'd say basketball, but I don't think he's winning it next year. And I'm going to have to see, you know, who's scoring for this team and then who, who he replaces with who next year because there's going to be more kids replaced next year. Um, but I think you'd have to pick basketball in that sense over football. The only way you could pick football is if you truly believe Harrison Bailey, the Tennessee quarterback transfer, is really good. Well, he like better if, be really good to win the conference. Right. If you if you believe in Harrison Bailey, there's a chance that they could win a conference title with him in the next two or three years or something like that. But it's still pretty unlikely for basketball. I, I think you're right on that. They're not going to win it this year. We're going to have to see how good they are this season. And then do they actually bring back a part of their core mm -hmm. going into next season? Because that's the big issue going into this season for UNLV basketball. They got a lot of players out of the transfer portal and a lot of guys that will probably be very good. The problem is they had to replace basically their entire top four or five players. Like Jordan McCabe is like, I think the only top five scorer on the team last year that's back and he averaged like six points per game. They had to replace pretty much everything from last year's team. And that's not ideal. If they can keep around, you know, three of their top four scorers or something from this year's team, and then add some more pieces in the transfer portal. Then they'd have a that's, shot. Right. That's when UNLV right. becomes, oh, they might win the Mountain West. This year's team is more of a, hey, they replaced all the guys that helped them finish, what, fourth or fifth last year. You need to keep some of the core and then add to it so you go from fourth or fifth to 
first or second in the Mountain West. So I think there's a there's a shot for UNLV to do it in two years, just like I think there's a shot for the Raiders to do it in two years. But it's got to everything's got to go right. Maybe not everything, but most things have to go right for UNLV or the Raiders to get there. But I do think it is plausible for either one. So your rankings would go Aces Raiders. College basketball Knights. Knights. I'd go Golden Knights. You'd go Golden Knights UNLV. before uh, yeah. UNLV basketball winning a conference. Yeah. Golden Knights, then UNLV basketball, then UNLV football. Okay. And I'll I'll stick the uh Las Vegas lights in there ahead of UNLV football too. Oh, to win to win the league? To win the USL. They're gonna make the playoffs this year. Come on. Three straight okay. wins. All to, right. To win the USL. Wow. That's a that's a that's a jump for the boys. Oh yeah. This guy making the playoffs. the playoffs is a jump for him. So. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they got to get to the playoffs. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA as free agency starts today. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Even Steve Ballmer has to say the if we're healthy line when yeah. talking about the Clippers. Well, it's the Clippers, oh, he's so. been Spent a lot of money for them to not be healthy. They got it. They got He's very excited. I like him as an owner. He's out of his mind. Oh, you see him during games? Oh, yeah. Oh, (laughs) terrific. The best. Yeah, 100% the best. Um, So, NBA free agency starts this afternoon. Uh, Officially, we've had some apparently um, reported deals, although that would be tampering, including Jalen Brunson. Did you see. Jalen Brunson is going to meet with the Mavericks, the Knicks, and the Heat on the first day of free agency. I did not hear about the Heat, but so it's already hilarious. been reported that he's signing with the Knicks for right. uh, four years, like 110 million or whatever it was. But I there was some people, there were some thoughts that hey, he's got to say he's taking these meetings so that he doesn't get in trouble for tampering, right. or the Knicks right. don't get in trouble for tampering because you're not supposed to have agreed to a deal before free agency starts but the heat being on there was fascinating because do you know how funny it would be if the knicks lost out on jalen brunson and the miami heat stole him that'd be hilarious but i still i'm still wondering how legitimate miami thinks all this is i mean they're taking a meeting with the guy and maybe they're going to try to sell him on you really don't want to go to new york they stink what are you going to do there and look at what we've done but I just, with all the reports in the Knicks, I don't know. I, I get Dallas taking a meeting with him. I mean, he's their guy and maybe try to convince him to um, stay, you know, now that they've added some pieces. But if you're Miami, I, I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised they're meeting with him unless they think they can convince him otherwise. But it would be hilarious if he if he didn't stay with the Mavericks and went to the Heat instead of the Knicks. Oh, it'd be Dad great. wouldn't Given be happy. Way- Given the way the Knicks every offseason think they're signing like the best players and Jalen Brunson isn't even necessarily the best player, but the Knicks are excited to have him. If if they lost him then to the Heat, it'd be great. It'd be terrific theater for the NBA. Um, I almost think the Heat would be a great place for Jalen Brunson to go. Well, he certainly wouldn't have to be the one or the two. Yeah, like... And maybe that's maybe he wants that more than anything else. But like, I feel like going to the Heat. If he was, if the Heat, and obviously, you know, or how much playing time are you promising? But if the Heat were like, yeah, Jalen Brunson, you're going to start and play as many minutes as you can every game. They might, they can win. I don't think they're going to win a title. But the Heat are good. Right. Like this exactly. isn't a, this yeah. isn't a situation no. where it's a bad team like the Knicks, where oh, our ceiling is the six seed. Like right. the Heat could win a title. Yeah. And I I don't know. That would be. 
an interesting one if he actually ended up going to the Heat. Um, Bradley Beal declined his player option yesterday. Man, these guys, um, I just always, and I'm sure they have something set up, and you know, because they wouldn't decline <laughs> these. But you just read the sentence when they decline like thirty six million dollar offers. It's just, it's. I always think those sentences are funny, even though he obviously knows what he's going to get on the back end because he would never do that unless he was guaranteed something. So, would have had one year at thirty six million by declining the player option. He can sign an extension with Washington. It'd be a five-year deal, or he can sign with any other team because he's a free agent on a four-year deal. Here's what I'm curious. Bradley Beal might end up being the best player yeah. to change teams if he does, in fact, yes. go to a different team. Can Bradley Beal be the number two player on a championship contender? Well, I'll throw a team at you. Could it be the number two player on Dallas? That is interesting because we've talked a lot about Dallas and sort of what they need, and we've said a lot. Somebody better than the Chris Wood, Jalen Brunson player to be number two to Luca. Like, you can't go into next year with Chris Wood as your number two and expect to win the title. But if you had somebody better than Chris Wood to be the number two, you might have a legitimate shot. And yeah. Bradley Beal fits that. Like, that, that's exactly where Bradley Beal would fit. He's not as good as Luca, but he's definitely better than Chris Wood. My main curiosity would be how much value does Bradley Beal bring? if Luka is the one dominating the ball, like Bradley Beal off the ball is how valuable is he well, to the Mavericks? And I, I I think there'd be a lot of value there because you don't have to have Luka do it all every single game. Right. And you said that yesterday about Jalen Brunson and maybe why he wants to go to New York because Luka dominates the ball. Um, yeah. Would Beal care about that? I mean, would he? Would he? Would that be enough for him to go elsewhere? And I, I mean, I don't know if he's going. To, I don't think he's going to Dallas. He's probably signing a max deal in, in, with Washington. But the same, same thing, same argument you had yesterday with Brunson in terms of Luca. Just he, he, he dominates the ball, and I wonder if Beal would be up for that. Yeah, I, I don't. It's the thing is like, what is the priority for each individual player? Like to mm -hmm. use Damian Lillard as an example. He has not left Portland, despite everyone being like, ah, Damian Lillard, if he leaves Portland, he could go win a title somewhere else. He's been, was good enough in his career. But Damian Lillard's priority was basically to stay in Portland. Bradley Beal has not left Washington. This entire time, Bradley Beal has not left Washington. And you look at it, it's like, what, what have the Wizards done since they've been there? They went to the postseason in 2014, 2015, 2017, 2018, and then in 2021. So they've been to the playoffs but they haven't really done much. They've gotten to the second round, I think, is the farthest they've ever gotten with Bradley Beal. It's very clear the Wizards aren't going to do anything. Like, Bradley Beal, if Bradley Beal's priority is, hey, I, I want to go on a deep playoff run, then he has to leave Washington. But I don't know that that's his priority. Maybe his priority is he stays where he gets the most money. Yeah, it might be money. It might just be he likes Washington, D.C. or right. something and right. wants to stay there. Like, it's it's all comes down to sort of what priority is, and it's, you know, the Jalen Brunson conversation is the same. What is his priority? Is it to be the number, the guy who handles the ball the most, maybe not the number one guy, but the guy that handles the ball the most, then yeah, you can't play with Luka. But if your main priority is to win, you should probably go back to Dallas or maybe the Heat. But it's all, it's the interesting part about free agency in any sport is like, what is a player's priority? Because there's obviously money. There's obviously the chance to win. But then guys like Damian Lillard have a completely different priority, which is, yeah, that he wanted to be the guy in Portland even though it wasn't ever really going to work out. I think it's Modelo, right? 
Medela, the fighting spirit of Damian Lillard. Maybe he just stays for the commercials. Oh, is he in a Medelo commercial? Yeah, he he uh, collabs with Demello for uh, the um, the commercials. Dame Lillard. If Dame Lillard never had had the work ethic, oh yeah, oh, you've seen those right. Danny. And then he's at some kind of barbecue. <laughs> he doesn't feel he can get the commercials if he ever leaves. I mean, I feel like he could get more commercials if he left Portland, right? <laughs> he is that good a player. He'd probably like get if you more went... and bigger names, too. Right. Like, if you went to a bigger city, you'd, I, I think you'd get yeah. more commercials, <laughs> not less. Well, maybe he needs to get out of there, so he's not just in Modelo commercials. That'd be better. Um, one other move that happened in the NBA, the Hawks did trade for DeJounte Murray. Um, what'd you think of this? The Spurs got three first-round picks in return for DeJounte Murray. I think DeJounte Murray, I think the Hawks made out. I told you yesterday what these picks in the in it, it's 23, 25 and 27 and um Glarney um I think the I think the Hawks won the trade. I think the Hawks won the trade. And you got a good question down here. They're going to be bad for the rest of Popovich's career. How long does he go? I saw a list yesterday of the guys that they've lost since Duncan trading away Kawhi, um losing Tony Parker, Manu, I think the one his was retiring. Now they trade away now they trade away their best player. I don't know how long Pop just puts up with this or goes on. I mean, maybe he just has nothing else to do except this and buy wine. Um, but I, I just, I'm very interested in Popovich because, and, you know, Popovich seems like a guy who kind of comes back during the season and coaches the team. I don't know how much say he has in these these situations. Um, I'm sure they, I'm sure they ask him, but I don't know where he has it in his career where he even fights any of these things. Somebody tweeted yesterday that he was excited to coach the kids. Uh, sure, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. the the big issue I have with the trade on the Spurs side of things, they traded away their best player who is who's 25 years old. DeJounte Murray is not by any means old. They traded away their best player who is 25. And the assets they got back, the three first-round picks, one isn't going to help them this season. It might help them two years from now. But the other two won't help them until we're three seasons into the future and then five seasons right. into the future. If they traded away their best player and got nothing to help this year's team, and two of the three assets won't help them for three years down the road. Like It's nice to acquire picks, but I feel like they should have gotten a more uh, immediate well, asset, a return that, that helps them now. And maybe they want to tank this year and try to get the number one overall pick, but still it's like we're – projecting like five years from now they're gonna have a first round pick that's just i don't know that that feels wrong to trade away your best player who's 20 like five years from now murray's still gonna be good and 30 years old and you're gonna be drafting a guy hoping he plays 12 minutes a night it just it felt odd that the best player at 25 got traded for assets that were so far into the future you talked about beal and you have this down here this is interesting could trey young sell off the ball that was what I saw a lot of people on Twitter excited for is you have two guys now that have been handling the ball for their team without a ton of help. The Hawks obviously went to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, two seasons ago, but without a ton of sort of secondary star power, what does Trey Young look like off the ball? And the like the immediate thing I thought of was, well, what the Warriors do with Steph Curry off the ball. Run that guy off right, screens right, and see if you can right. get open looks. And when teams over help onto Curry somebody gets an open uh, lane to the basket. Like, I think there's an opportunity there for the Hawks to have a really fun offense that Trey Young off the ball makes it much more mm -hmm. difficult to guard that team. Could be really good. Uh, coming up next, 
Sam Gordon joins the show. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Good morning, Sam. Hey, How Sam. Are you? Good morning, fellas. How you guys doing? Yeah. Good. Um, do you think anybody on the Aces had some flashbacks to the 2020 WNBA Finals as Brianna Stewart hit two clutch shots to basically end the game last night? Yeah, I think they probably did. Uh, I mean, this was a I mean, close game throughout. For my money, Tyler, this is the best rivalry uh, in the WNBA right now. But um, you based on, like you said, the finals. You know, the finals in 2020, and these, you know, there's great players all over the floor. And uh, last night, uh, Seattle made all the winning plays in crunch time, and the and the Aces didn't. Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd were absolutely fantastic, uh, shrugging off slow starts and. Uh, for whatever reason, when the Aces, you know, a lot of times when they get into close games, uh, the ball just stops moving, and it just kind of turns into hero ball, your turn, my turn. Sometimes, you know, that works because the players on the Aces are so good. But a lot of the time, it's it's predictable um, and easy to defend. I think that's what you saw last night. And uh, like you said, flashbacks to the 2020 Finals, uh, Seattle uh, showing why they are they remain a championship contender uh, and, and one of the top teams in the league. So, uh, you know, midway point in the season, um, uh, the Aces, of course, losing three or four. It's probably not what they want to see, but uh, there's still a long way to go. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Seattle definitely better uh, in money time last night. Of the teams that have beaten them, who's the worst matchup? Oh, geez. Um, that, that's a great question. I would probably say um, Connecticut, just for the size factor. They can spread you out, and they also have size. But but when you take a look at it, the teams that, that have beaten the Aces this year, uh, Chicago, Connecticut, Seattle, uh, and now Washington—they all have, um, you know, one thing in common is that they can they can play small ball too. They can spread the floor uh, and force the Aces to guard. For, uh, you clear out the paint, much like the Aces like to do. Uh, and then defensively, uh, they have the personnel to match up with the Aces. They have uh, size that can guard on the perimeter. Uh, switchy defenders, you know, they're they're constructed. Those teams are constructed um, like the Aces in a lot of a lot of ways. But but big picture, uh, Connecticut. As a team, the Aces struggled with you know, last year uh, as well, uh, and then of course in 2020, like you know, like Tyler mentioned, that was a you know really, really, really close uh, five-game series in WNBA Finals that that the Aces ultimately won to get there. But that team was playing without John Quill Jones. With John Quill Jones in the lineup, uh, the Aces have really struggled. So, you know, the Aces have all the tools necessary, right? They have all the players uh, and, and pieces um, necessary. I think you know, bench of course a little thin uh, to make the, you know the deep playoff run, but other teams are really good too, and other teams. I uh, have have a lot of continuity and have played together for a really long time and, and have championship aspirations as well. So, you know, all, all four of those teams, I think they've established themselves. They've kind of separated themselves um, from the rest of the pack. When you look at the Aces record this year, uh, it might be a little concerning that they that the other top contenders uh, have seemed to have had their number um, so far. Again, a long season, but uh, all those losses, I guess you would say, are against fellow championship contenders and, and the Aces you know, wins for the most part. They do have some, some quality wins, but for the most part, um, those victories are against teams that we don't expect to compete for a championship. NBA free agency starts today. Uh, is Bradley Beal going to be the biggest name that changes teams, or is he staying in Washington and it's somebody else? Yeah, it seems like all the reporting um, indicates that Washington um, is going to re-sign him for max money. I'm not really sure you know, I get it. I guess if you're Washington, I mean, you can't let him walk for nothing. But this kind of keeps you, uh, Tyler. If he if he sticks around, it, he, I think you're just kind of stuck as you know, competing for a you know the playing uh, tournament. I mean, this is a big three of Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma um, really taking you anywhere? I'm not necessarily sure. I, I thought 
uh, the DeJounte Murray trade, I think he's spectacular. Uh, you know, 25 years old, ascending player, um, two-way guy, 21-9-9 and last year, has continued to get better um, each and every year. Now you pair him with Trey Young in Atlanta, you know, before free agency even starts, has already uh, drastically um, improved. So I-, I think you're going to see a lot of moving parts. Of course, it's free agency. That's what's going to happen. But I think the biggest name, we, I think we already saw the biggest name um, trade, you know, uh, exchange teams with, with DeJounte Murray. I- I- I'm not, I wouldn't write out a Rudy Gobert deal. I mean, he's still a pretty big name, and I think the Jazz have to do something because they're kind of where Washington is to a degree. They've, they've, how many times are you going to run that thing back, right? Like, it just hasn't worked. Uh, you're starting over with a new coach, and now may be a time uh, to wipe the slate clean and move off of Gobert. But I, I expect it looks like Beal's going to resign. looks like Zach Levine is going to resign. And, you know, a lot of the players are probably flipping teams. I would expect to be, you know, role players and, you know, guys on the periphery um, as opposed to stars, per se. So ultimately, how bad a deal was this for San Antonio? The three first-rounders, but not until 23, 25, and 27. Gallinari's thrown in. Um, we asked a question earlier, are they just going to be bad for the rest of Pop's career, no matter how long he goes? Could be soon that he'd, he'd walk away. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think that's probably definitely the case. Um, to me, this trade, you, you know, you, you probably, I think that you, there were probably better packages out there or, you know, team that you could have maybe gotten a little more. But at the end of the day, what this is about to me is this is about San Antonio entering uh, entering the Victor Wenbanyama uh, lottery. The 7'2 or 7'3, 18-year-old uh, from France, regarded as one of the uh, the best prospects of the last, I don't know, certainly the last 10 or 20 years. Um, you know, some you know pundits consider him the best prospect since LeBron. So they're 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 trying. I mean, when the Spurs got good, when the Spurs became the Spurs, it was because they won the lottery and drafted Tim Duncan. Uh, the team they had is, you know, kind of like Washington, right? That if, if you keep that team intact, maybe they compete for the play-in. You have some pretty good young players. Maybe they develop, and, and you're a, you know, a perennial six or seven seed that can maybe win a first-round series uh, if those young guys go together. But this is a superstar league at the end of the day, and to me, this trade was about increasing their chances, bettering their chances to land a superstar uh, like Wembanyama. So. Uh, it's probably not necessarily the way that Pop, you know, planned to go out or wanted to go out, but it's kind of a full circle thing because when he took over, uh, he took over that year that David Robinson um, missed and, and with a broken foot that he hurt, I believe he hurt in the playoffs the previous year, gets Tim Duncan and, and the rest is history. So now he's kind of on the other end of that, you know, having to develop young players and, you know, leading a team through a season that's probably going to be a tank. And uh, we'll see if it, it pays off the way the 97 season 96-97 season did with Tim Duncan. We'll see if it pays off with Victor Wembanyama. How good do you expect the Clippers to be, and does John Wall make a difference there? Yeah, I, I think he absolutely makes a difference, and I think the Clippers um, have the best roster in the West. Tyler, uh, this is a Wings league. They have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. We'll see the health of Kawhi Leonard, but uh, the way guys are able to recover from, from injuries these days, I, I think – uh, even off the ACL and even at the age of 31, uh, if he's 80 or 85% of the Kawhi Leonard we last saw, um, this team's going to be really good. Six, seven, eight, eight wings deep. Just resigned Avisa Zubac, uh, who I think is one of the uh, you know quality starting center and doesn't have any ego to him, doesn't mind getting benched when they go small. It's a team with Ty Lue uh, that likes to go small a lot. And you look at the kind of the one deficiency uh, they had on their roster was, was playmaking. And if, if there's one thing John Wall – um, was a lead at uh, in his NBA career and probably can still be really, really good at even at 32 coming off of the inactivity and, and, and the injuries that he's dealt with is is facilitating and passing and creating. Uh, he was one of the top assist guys uh, in the league during his prime, an excellent passer, excellent court vision, 
and gives them a dynamic that they didn't have. So whether that's, you know, as a starter or as a guy that's closing games or whether that's just a player in their rotation, uh, to get somebody of that caliber at that price point, um, who's still only 32, it feels like he's been around forever, but only 32 should be relatively fresh after sitting out last season. Uh, to me, this is the deepest team in the league. Uh, it's a team with the most upside in the league, and health permitting uh, could, could very well come out of the West um, and win a championship with, with their coaching they have, the depth that they have, and now the playmaking that they have with John Wall. This is a team that I don't think has really any holes in it. It's just about actually going out and getting it done uh, in ways that they have in years past. Uh, Jalen Brunson's going to meet with the Mavs, Knicks, and Heat. Uh, everyone assumes it's the Knicks. Dad's a coach there now. Uh, even the contract's even being kind of leaked, although maybe the Heat's meeting with them or he's meeting with them to offset tampering. Where's the best spot for him no matter what in terms of uh, his his career? Yeah, great question. Um, I think the Knicks thing, right, if he goes to New York, that just kind of shows that he just wants to, to be a starting point guard and run the show full-time and be able to have the responsibilities that comes with being a point guard. In terms of what the, the best actual fit is, I mean, I don't. I, how can it not be Dallas? I mean, you see, you're playing with Luka Doncic. He's the perfect, I mean, in terms of his skill set, I think he's the perfect complement for what Luka does. He, he, of course, can create his own offense, but he's also a quality secondary playmaker and can create. He can play on or off the ball, uh, gets to the basket. He's strong, he's sturdy, he's physical. And we saw what he did in the playoffs when Luka didn't play. He had a 40-point game against Utah. So it's obvious, it's understandable why why there's intrigue there. He's definitely uh, a winning player, a, a guy that who any team he signs with, and, you know, like you said, looks like New York. But whether that's Dallas or the dark horse Miami, um, he's gonna, you know, he he helps you win. He's a he's a very 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 um, good player. When you see some of the money though, 110 million, uh, that's a lot. And I think that's a figure that could maybe tilt or, t- or alter uh, the point guard market moving forward. I think, you know, is he a top 50 or top 60 NBA player? You know, maybe. Um, but that's a lot of money uh, for a guy. And if you're New York, where, where are you really going with that? Is that to just become more respectable, to maybe maybe take a stab or a, a swing at a bigger free agent down the road or be able to, to sell uh, potential trade partners or, you know, or players on potential trades? Hey, you can come, we're, we're, we're solid. We have Jalen Brunson. You can come here and be a part of this. Um, I'm not sure. I, it obviously doesn't make them a contender, but if he stays with Dallas, we saw them get to the Western Conference Finals. They add you know, former UNLV standout Chris Wood. Uh, it's a better team than it was last year if he comes back, and a team that, again, would be a dark horse, I think, to make the finals um, if he comes back to Dallas. Of course, if he goes to New York, we know that's not happening. Uh, Miami's an interesting fit, though. Uh, he, I think, gives them a little more if, if he does sign there and they're able to work something out. We saw what, what some of the issues Miami had against Boston where Jimmy Butler was really the only shot creator. Uh, Brunson would give them some youth, and he would give them some additional playmaking. He's a better player right now uh, at this stage of his career than Kyle Lowry is, so... One rule of them out, and that would be an excellent fit, but it feels like New York is a spot, and he's going to get the opportunity to have the ball in his hands full-time and, and run the show and do his thing. Well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, as always, we appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Sam. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. See you. So there is Sam Gordon on the Aces and NBA free agency getting started in just a few hours. Coming up next... We'll get into some NBA and the chances of that new arena south of the Strip actually landing an NBA team. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. We play a lot of Draymond Green on this show. Yeah. He's got a lot to say. Apparently. It's the Draymond Green fan club. Yeah. Got a lot to say. Who is? We are? Apparently now. I mean, if he keeps giving out all these good sound bites, we might have to become it. Uh, So... 
Las Vegas getting an NBA team, a possibility. Uh, there is going to be a new arena south of the Strip on Las Vegas Boulevard, a part of a big complex is going to include a hotel and casino as well. Mark Bedane was hired by Tim Lewecki and the Oakview Group, who are building this, to sort of oversee the sports entertainment venues of this property. Mark Bedane spoke to the Review Journal about what's happening, what their plan is, and got asked about the NBA and the chances that their 20,000-seat arena is going to host an NBA team. Mark Bedane said, we're looking to build the greatest arena on earth, and Las Vegas needs it, and Las Vegas deserves it. If you look at the trajectory of music venues and sports venues in Las Vegas of this size, it's about every 10 years for a new one. You could go back over that time and see the evolution of facilities. By the time we open our venue, it will be about 10 years since they opened T-Mobile, and it's time to have a new venue in Las Vegas that's worthy of Las Vegas. I'm curious, Ed, do you think him spe uh, specifically saying music venues, does that mean anything as far as they don't plan to have an NBA team there? I think they do plan to have an NBA team there. I don't know. I, I can't believe that Lewicki is building this without the idea that they're going to get an NBA team, whether it's relocation or expansion. Now, he's not going to talk about that. But Dane didn't talk specifically about that when asked, uh, you know, thrown off. Of, we'll have our, his quote here about 30 owners need to decide. But, I mean, the greatest arena on earth, I would think, would handle music music and, and an NBA team. So, Lewicki... Right when this was announced, I think everyone went to, okay, if it's Lewicki, what he's built before in NBA cities and arenas, that the assumption is they think they're getting an NBA team. Mark Bedane saying that Las Vegas needs this arena is one of like the most funniest spins that I've heard on something. Las Vegas does not need another 20,000-seat arena just because, oh, every 10 years, Las Vegas has a new arena. I don't even know if that's true or not. But Las Vegas does not need this. The If we're talking just concert venues, there's going to be a brand new one, the sphere that's being built mm -hmm. near the Strip. That's not going to be 10 years old. That's the new arena in Las Vegas to host concert venues. Las Vegas does not need another 20,000-seat arena to host concerts. We, we just don't. We have plenty of venues in that 10 to 20,000-seat size. There's not a desire. There's not a need for another one simply to host concerts. That's a foolish thing for Mark Bedane to say. And it takes you all the way back to the NBA. And do you believe Tim Lewecki is a moron? Because if Tim Lewecki is building this 20,000-seat arena and expecting, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to make tons of money because we're just going to come in and beat out all these other arenas in, in Las Vegas, that sounds stupid. That sounds like a very dumb idea to do. But if you build that arena and you know, hey, an NBA team would play there, then it's not stupid. Then it's very smart because then you have an NBA tenant. And, yeah, you'll have some concerts or whatever, but then it becomes primarily for the, the NBA, NBA arena. Team. And that's a smart thing to do. So I think Mark Bedane, by talking up, ah, oh, every 10 years you need a new arena, great concert venue, greatest arena on earth, I think that's them just kind of trying to cover themselves to not make it look like they know they're getting an NBA team. I I. I think you'd agree. I don't think they're doing this without, I mean, maybe not the final say from the NBA, but a very good feeling that if they build this arena, they're going to get a team. Right. Um, the quote Mark Bedane gave was, we'll build an NBA-ready venue 
but it's not our decision. Decisions are made at the league level. There are 30 owners, and they'll decide where they want to expand if they want to expand. I know there's been a lot of chatter in the media, but we're going to stay out of that chatter. We're going to be very respectful of the process. He did not mention relocation. And it, no. maybe this is me reading too much into it, but we've heard a lot that Adam Silver has said expansion is not happening very soon. Not on the front it's, burner. Right. Not the Yes, the front and the back burner. Those are the key places yes. that Adam Silver yes, always brings he's up. always on he's, one of them. Right. He's not he's, – he's, Adam Silver has said the NBA will expand at some point, but he's also said it's not happening right now. And so naturally the conversation shifts to, okay, well, would a team relocate to Las Vegas? Would the Pelicans move out of New Orleans and move to Las Vegas? Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but him not mentioning relocation is interesting, right? Like maybe there's a hint of, yeah, give it three years, and then the NBA will put expansion on the front burner, and guess where an NBA team's going? Oh, right. this new arena in Las Vegas. Right. I think I think they're very, very confident. Um, how Do you know how much uh, the sphere is going to seat? Uh, I do not. I think it's near 20,000, but not. Is it near 20,000? I thought that was right. Danny? Yeah. I believe I heard it was somewhere around 19 to 20, but I'm looking it up now. So there's another 20,000. Right. And it's going to be brand new. Like that's, you can't, I I love the idea of Mark Bedane being like, well, T-Mobile's 10 years old. You can't use that dump anymore. (laughs) Like the... That, I think, has been one of the craziest scams that sports teams have been able to pull over the last, whatever, two decades, is acting like sports venues are old after 10 or 20 years. Like, the Texas Rangers build a new ballpark. Their old one was, like, 22 years yeah. old or something like that. Like, it wasn't... They they just got a new one. Like, these things should be built to last for 50-plus years, and yet everyone who's involved with the sports teams, Mark Bedane in this case, is like, ah... 10 years that's ancient you gotta have something newer than 10 years so the the sphere is gonna hold 17,500 okay all right it's still a lot for a concert right it's i mean yeah that that general size we've got a ton of those venues here like we have we have so many of them M- mgm owns like 40 of them just by themselves so maybe they just want to compete with mgm maybe that's good but unless they're getting an nba team they sound kind of dumb <laughs> 